never fall in love with the development and always make business decisions with your head, not your not not your heart. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the show. Thanks for joining me. So good to be with you again. How are you doing? Everything on track? I've been well. Had a very busy start to the year. Can't believe it's nearly May. Where's the year gone? Anyway, got a great conversation coming up for you today with two brothers who are joining forces to take on some larger property projects. But before we get to that, here's a quick update on my townhouse projects. On project one, construction is moving along quite nicely. Most of the site is at lockup stage now, which is good. Actually had a meeting with a council enforcement officer last week on site to discuss noise complaints from a neighbour. Unfortunately, we were complying with our obligations, so no action will be taken against us, which is a relief. And I've been spending most of this week working through the usual buildability issues that pop up on a development site. On my other project, we are trying to finalise all the documentation and supporting materials so that we can go back into council for town planning endorsement and also to get our building permit. Seems we're getting approval for the shorter crossover alignment that I've been working on for about 12 months. I've been told by council that the permit's going to be approved or the amended permit's going to be approved. I've also booked in the demolition of the existing house, so just waiting for the permit for that to come through so we can bowl it over and clean the site up. There's still a lot to do on this project with getting funding finalised and construction started, but it's all moving in the right direction. If you would like to see how my projects are progressing, then I suggest you check out the video updates that I post on the show's Facebook and Instagram feeds. They're both under the handle of Property Developer Podcast. So if you want to see what I'm up to, head over there and check it out. And if you are interested in getting into property development, head over to www.propertydevelopertraining.com and take the quick quiz to see how ready you might be to get started. Or if you feel like you'd like some mentoring, email me, justin at propertydeveloperpodcast.com and I'll send you some information on the program that's available to guide you through the property development process. Okay, on to today's guests, brothers Fayad and Ramon Fayad from Ellison's Property in Sydney. Based in Parramatta in Sydney's West, Fayad and Ramon have between them 40 years of experience in property having grown up in a family of builders. The boys have joined forces to deliver a range of projects in the residential, retail and commercial sectors. In this chat, we discuss why they've decided to team up, their focus on understanding the customer journey and what they learnt from the pullback of bank funding a few years ago. Keep an ear out for the discussion around running design competitions and how they make that work for them. I started off by asking the boys about what food they would eat until they were sick and Ramon started off with an answer that I'm surprised more people don't nominate. Mum's chicken and rice Lebanese dish that she does. That's my favourite one. So, What about you, Fayad? I guess my weakness, which is what I've been staying away from at the moment, would be um, uh, my good Italian pizzas. Yeah, pizza's an easy one. You got any go-to yeah. toppings? Go-to topping, mushroom topping. Cheese, mushroom, garlic. Pepperoni, yeah. my weakness. Well, we're here today to talk about property developing and the two of you have been involved in property development and you've uh, 
partnered up and set up your own developing company, but give us a bit of a, a background of yourselves and how you got into developing and what you're up to. I've been in property for 20 years now, um, straight out of school. I uh, was lucky enough to um, uh, be involved in a family business um, at the outset, predominantly in construction, so construction background, um, getting buildings up, more of the um, the hands-on, and then more recently involved in, um, in, in property development side of the business, um, acquisition, funding, um, and project marketing. And then up until recently found that that's probably my cup of tea and teamed up with Ramon to start this new venture at Ellison. So, yeah. And what about you, Ramon? Uh, yeah, myself, I guess it's, it's in our blood. So we're, we're in development since we're, since we're born. Um, uh, great-grandfather uh, was in construction back in Lebanon. Our grandfather started the original um, business here when he moved over early, early mid-60s. And then, yeah, just, I mean, our whole life it's been property. So going to family barbecues, going to family, it was just always property with the uncles and cousins. Everyone's involved in it. So there was really, not there's no escape, but it's always in you. So, I mean, it, you just naturally, it's, it's, uh, it's involved. And, yeah, like fade straight from school, went on to the construction side and, and started from there. And then how did you get into doing projects? Again, yeah, just from starting from um, starting from construction on site, seeing how it all unfolded, obviously learning from our father who was has been our who guided us and was our role model, just just learning from him. And yeah, Ellison now gives us an opportunity to start our official first development together. There was developments that we were doing under the family umbrella together, but this is our real coming alive we're coming out now doing our first one together um it's one in Parramatta, which is our heartland so we it's an exciting one it's a build to rent one so one that we will always keep so it'll always have a bit of sentimental value to build to rent products so our first one and one that we'll always keep within the business and fired what sort of projects were you doing along the way were they townhouse projects apartment projects what were you sort of cutting your teeth on Straight out of school, I was um, laboring on apartment projects. My first uh, foray as a, as a site foreman was actually 14 townhouses in Carlingford. So my first uh, project under my, my, I guess, guidance or, or leadership was were townhouses. After that, more in multi-density, um, so multi-dwelling sort of apartments, townhouses, duplexes, villas, so that, that sort of space more recently um, focused on apartments, medium density, high density. Um, that's where we are at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And what about you, Ramon? What sort of projects were you cutting your teeth on? Um, I've got a bit more of an interesting background when I started construction. Um, straight out of school, I uh, went onto the construction site, obviously just thinking it was going to be part of me and following in Faye's footsteps, following my dad's footsteps. Um, probably about... A month after uh, after HSE went on site, about a month into it, I was on a townhouse site as well, probably about 25, 25 townhouses and doing the course in TAFE, doing the, um, the building course and just came home one day and pulled mum aside and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't like construction. So I always went to mum first. She was always a soft one you can talk to. I was a bit worried about what dad's going to think. So, and she said, what are you worried for? So then I had to go through it all and mention it to dad. And dad was like, 
yeah, it's no big deal. It's like, oh, it's a bit easier than I thought. So he said, yeah, go out and do whatever you want. I think in the back of his mind, he always knew I would eventually come back and it's what I did. So I, yeah, I left the company for a bit and went off and got into sports management. So managing football players and managing sports players, um, which, yeah, I was always into sport growing up, rugby league, soccer, swimming, basketball, the whole lot. So always had that idea in my mind. But again, dad was right after about, I don't know, about a year. Yeah, I came back to him and said, okay, yeah, can you find me another job? So then he put me in the office. And so it wasn't so much the construction side of it. It was more um, the development side. So acquisition, planning, sales, that kind of stuff, which has been a good balance for Fade and, Fade and myself. Fade was always the construction eye and I was a bit of more the development. So it worked out well in the end. Now we're overseeing all of it together, but he's always got that extra eye on construction and from a development and planning side, it's, um, that's probably my stronger point. And Fayad, how come you decided that you would uh, team up? We worked together hand in hand in the business. Predominantly, um, Ramon looked after the functions of, as he just mentioned, um, acquisition, planning, and whereas my uh, strengths were in, in construction and delivery. We were the pair previously, and we just decided to um, continue. I guess it was it was a natural it was a natural connection. Um, just an extension or a, a, a new chapter of, of what we were and what we were doing best previously. Mm. So, yeah, I think yeah. taking nothing away from what the old generation did, it was just it was just we had the experience, we had the knowledge, we were we had the um, support of family to do it, and I think it was it was just the right time. It was just um, we were doing our own thing. We we're starting to do it bit by bit, but now we wanted to officially make it our own company and, and start our own. Start our own thing. So it'd be fair to say that the projects that you're working on previously within the uh, your dad's business was around delivering projects for other clients, or were you doing a mix of your own stuff plus for clients? Uh, yeah, for, for the last ten years, ten to fifteen years was a lot of our stuff. I mean, we do the odd um, development for uh, local school, a local uh, affordable housing community. So we did bits and pieces of that, but. Now, majority of it was for ourselves. So, uh, owner, owner, occupier, builder, developer. We did it all, all ourselves. And what were the lessons that you took away from that period of time that you now plan on bringing into your own company? A lesson for myself would be starting your own company. You want to make your own decisions and you want to see it the way you, like you have a vision, you want to uh, deliver it that way. But it's just being open-minded. Listen to what people are telling you. Um, that's a big. That's a big thing in, in in our industry in particular. I mean, people are telling us what they want in apartments, so we've got to listen to them. It's not we're going to design it this way. You have to buy it. So across the whole board, whether it be finance, sales, marketing, it's listening, being open-minded. I mean, you don't. We are. We do have the experience in property, but we've hired the right people and they're right in their roles to tell us and guide us what to do. So in short, it's, yeah, what I've learned most is listen to other people and listen to people who you've brought on rather than think you know everything. Yeah. What about for you, Fayad? I did this a lot early in my career is, is have people in, in, I guess, categories or boxes so that an architect would do X, a, a plumber would do X. Later on in my career, and definitely something that I've learned and want to bring over is to not limit people's 
discussions or interactions with them into their from their expertise because it doesn't matter what they do everyone here and everyone in this circles in the property industry and they've all got a they've all got a voice they've all got a um, uh, experience that, that they'd like to share so one thing that I have definitely taken on board and want to and spread through the culture and, and our new entity is um, not connect people so much with their titles so or, or, or their or their job their job roles or, or their expertise is just if someone has a good point to say whether that's not in his area take it on board and embrace it and you touched on I think you mentioned that you're also responsible for project marketing fired is that a bit of a a change from well, generally would be a change from being in charge of delivery on the construction side to then the softer side on the on the marketing front. Yeah, so in project marketing is is at the moment shared between uh, Ramon and I. We, we do have a marketing manager here. We have a sales manager here with that oversee marketing and sales teams. It's a different ball game to construction, but it's one that I watched keenly while I was in construction, I was very interested in how real estate offices would market projects. And then towards um, probably the last, I'd say, five to 10 years, we actually um, started to sell in-house. So we had our in-house real estate agent teams, which then uh, meant that we had to do our own project marketing, which then brought in a project marketing team. So I always had a keen eye or always had an interest in how a, a third-party agent would market a project for a development, for a developer, where they would place the ads, how they would add it, how display suites and all that stuff. So when it actually got time to, to, to do that, I, I kind of embraced it. And, I, and I, I, it was really like a, a break from the everyday construction it allowed me to have, uh, I guess, my, my creative sense was at play in that space. And so what do you reckon the sort of one or two key things that you learnt along the way about the project marketing that you're looking to implement now? The key to project marketing is, and one thing we do want to implement now is it's, it's the, apart from having the apartment designed well, um, the selections um, uh, up to scratch, it's actually the experience of buying an apartment. That's, that is, is very important. So we're very mindful of the experience that our buyers or our potential buyers are about to um, get involved with. So we're mapping now the journey of an apartment buyer from first interest in apartment to actually picking up their keys. And we just want to make sure that the marketing and the, the, um, the, the involvement of it's not just putting a for sale sign and make sure that the the apartment is sold and then delivering the key six weeks later. And one thing that gave longevity to a lot of um, apartment developers in the past or even real estate companies in the past, it's the it's the, the journey that the customer experiences and then that will then um, have get their, their buy into the company, not just the, the apartment itself, the actual company, and then allow if they were to buy another project or another apartment that they naturally like the experience they've had with us and uh, like to, to buy another one of our apartments. So I guess it's all about not just the, not just the apartment, but the journey of, of purchasing. Yeah. I've often thought 
I would absolutely love to be a fly on the wall during the time when the selling agents that I use are talking to potential buyers and just being able to listen in to the questions that the buyers ask and also the things that the agents tell them it would just be absolutely priceless to have that kind of intelligence and insight. How have you divvied up the, uh, the roles and responsibilities then? Again, I think you just naturally lean back to what your your strengths are. Um, Fade is still, I mean, he's still more on site more than I am, but I'm still just naturally gravitating towards meeting and having nice, friendly discussions with council, trying to get things things approved. Um, so yeah, just naturally um, again. But we are obviously meeting meet all the time. Our fortnightly meetings, we used to split them up. Now they're all just uh, we're involved in every single one of them. So yeah, the roles have now just yeah kind of doing the same thing. But again, just yeah naturally gravitating back towards our key strengths does come into play. But I think over time, it'll just be more, yeah, literally split down the line 50-50 and we'll be making the decisions together on everything. And you touched on your first project. Can you give us a bit of insight around what that looks like? Yeah, so that's the one in in Park Street, Parramatta, which is our first built to rent. It's uh, 22 levels above uh, retail in, in, in CBD Parramatta. It's 150 plus apartments in there combination of uh, studios all the way up to three bedrooms with um, top level penthouse apartments so that's one that it's it's coming up so we're on to level seven at the moment as we speak Um, and it's it's a precast construction build we've done that in the past but they were generally precast concrete then painted or cladded or something but this is exciting one it's actually it's going to be an exposed concrete building obviously with with elements that that make it more residential i guess but just the way it's all coming together, the walls coming off the back of the truck being installed and, and that's the end product. So it's it's very exciting for, for that one, yeah. um, definitely. That's his construction site, see? It yeah. naturally comes back. So, <laughs> um, But, and again, I'm touch, I'm, I'll touch on the design here because it's, it's quite an interesting design, this building. Um, we'll send you some pictures through so you can see, but it's actually a step building. So while it's 23 stories, one side's 23 and then it steps down like, every couple of levels because it's it's built next to a park. So a part of the whole design competition was to minimise overshadowing of the park. So it's quite a, yeah, quite a striking design. It'll be a signature building in Parramatta because there's, there's very, very few um, buildings designed in that way. So, um, yeah, it'll be one great one that we're looking forward to delivering and keeping in the portfolio for a long time. Sorry, did you say there was a design competition? Yes, yeah, so this one went through a design competition probably 18, 24 months ago now. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was good. Um, any significant development in Parramatta of a certain amount of value needs to go through a design competition. Um, and this one was, um, this one was uh, an interesting one because, yeah, the, ma- the major design key was to not overshadow the park. Um, so they, they did come, there was quite a few interesting designs, how to do that. There was some that had gaps missing in the building. It was curved. It was, but this one, the step building just made sense. Um, it looked great cost-wise as well. You have to keep that in mind. But yeah, and it had the best um, outcome for layouts of apartments. So it was a good design competition. We've done quite a few of them now. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're, it's good. It's good to go through the design competitions. You pick up things that you wouldn't have done if it was just a straight DA. and then. 
what you can take from it is in your next development site or or you, you find a new architect, you find new ideas. So while the winning design obviously doesn't win, it's a good opportunity to um, just learn new things and learn new designs. So is that a process that's run by the council or do you run that? And how do you yeah, choose so, people? Yeah, that are so involved? the way it works is, yeah, so council, yeah, you have to do it, part of like a, a council requirement. We get to pick the three architects. So you pick three architects and then state government has, and then there's a judging panel of three. We pick a panel, we pick a judge, sorry. So there has to be like experience with your property. So it could be like a town planner, an architect or an urban designer. Uh, so they're one of the judges. The other judge is someone that council picks and then the um, government architect picks someone as well. So yeah, usually about a four to six week period for the architects to present their, uh, get their designs ready and then another a week or probably about a week or two process of presenting, um, doing presentations and then, yeah, gov- the, the, the panel goes away in about a week or two. They pick a, pick a winner and then from there you, you do your, your DA. That architect is locked in to um, do your DA process. So it's probably about a two-to-three-month two process from start to finish of a design competition Again, depending on how big it is, uh, we've done others where it's a thousand unit block with about 20,000 square meters of commercial. That's another one that we've done. So that was a lot trickier. We council wanted nine architects, obviously will delay you and drag out a, a bit more and a bit more costly. But yeah, it's just, it's just getting involved with council early. We get to write the design brief as well, which obviously helps because if you gave council free reign to do a design brief, they'd yeah, they put gold old panels everywhere so yeah which is good so we've known that we've done quite a lot of them now so we know how to do them to the best best for council and best for us so i was going to ask you about the design brief so it's good that you've got control of that and then with the with the project what was the reasoning behind wanting to do build for rent was that mainly driven by the softness of the market or was it a strategic move to grow your balance sheet yeah so this one in Parramatta was uh, we decided that on the outset to this would be a build to rent predominantly because of the location being in in um, Parramatta and it, we did as I mentioned earlier we had some projects that ended up having residual stock we kept it so that we had that then we, we we learned the build to rent function and and adopted it within our business so then um, then the next uh, round of projects, we earmarked this one in Parramatta to actually be built to rent from the outset. So we had a discussion with our funding partner. So we structured the loan and the deal to, to, to have in the sense of, so there's no pre-sales or no um, requirement to sell the apartments. Um, there was a, it was structured in a way which enabled us to, to complete and then and, and, and keep and, and have tenants and, and rent them and, and eventually have something for the long term to hold and add to our, our pipeline of um, retained apartments. And there's another development that we're doing in Parramatta too. So obviously we can't compete with ourselves. So we're doing one that's uh, across the road actually. That's um, we're currently selling there um, at the south quarter development. So um, yeah, just a bit of flexibility. And again, to show our range as well, we can do the built to rent and we can do the, the traditional built to sell. I was about to ask about your pipeline, so I'm glad that you jumped in there. Tell us a bit about the other project, the built-to-sell one. Uh, there's quite a bit of built-to-sell in the pipeline. Two that stand out for me would be one in uh, Rosebury, uh, which is called the Laneways. The reason it stands out is because we 
probably kind of stepped out of our comfort zone a bit and moved out of Western Sydney um, to 118 apartments, scheduled to be finished by March next year. Sales have been going well. And another interesting thing about that is the, the buyers. In the Western Sydney, it's a lot of investor buyers, um, people wanting just to get into the property market where at Rosebury we've seen it's a lot of people uh, and occupiers so quite a few variation requests and changes and do this and do that and extra parking and whatnot. So it's been a learning experience, but it's, um, it's, been, um, it's, it's been a good development. It's been received well by the local public and as well by the agents who said, yeah, the quality is good. And even in a tough market, it's, it's still selling well, which is good. So at good prices. That, yeah, that's one basically because it's a bit out of our comfort zone. But the one coming back closer, I think, would have to be Marylands, which is our Marylands development right in the town centre on Maryland Station. Um, I just think in terms of location, affordability and growth, Marylands is probably the new... It's like the little brother of Parramatta, but significantly cheaper and a lot more affordable. Uh, we've found that a lot of people buying there can't afford to buy in Parramatta, so they're just naturally coming there. And it's amazing. I mean, there's, I think it's like $200,000 price difference from Maryland to Parramatta. And it's only like it's one station, five-minute drive. So it's, um, yeah, I definitely think Maryland is great development, but even for yeah, people looking in the future for investment, even to live, I think that's Maryland is a, would be the area that I'd some, to ask, tell someone to buy if they ask me for their, ask me for their opinion. And you just touched on around moving out of your comfort zone and it being a learning experience being in Rosebury. What, what are the other lessons or what are the things that you're learning along the way there? The idea of bringing um, and listening to, to the end user, the, the, the customer and the apartment buyer and to how they want their apartments designed, this project, it, it gave us the opportunity to deal with it on the run rather than have something to say, well, we'd like to be the developer that listens to apartment buyers um, and designs it for them. While we were doing that, we were actually dealing with sales on the run. So it, it gave us real life working examples to allow us to, to step out of our comfort zone or, or, step, or do something different, but at the same time, not just plan for it and, and then roll it out actually plan for it, but, but doing it as, as you're planning and as you're building the processes. So um, actually gave us a good real-life working example. Yeah. Yes, well, based yeah. on my own experience, the variations yeah. are where the problems <laughs> tend to pop up yeah. along yeah. towards yeah. the end yeah. or at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, we're usually selling off the plan, so it's um, don't really have to deal with that much. But, yeah, Rosebury, it's... Uh, different market, but it's good. Yeah, we learn and it's um, probably something that would yeah, look to continue the more, spread our rings a bit and yeah, keep staying out of our out of our comfort zone, get a bit more Sydney wide rather than just Western Sydney. I think we're ready for it now. Um, if the opportunity would come up again. Yeah, well, I'm glad you touched on learning experiences because I was keen to know whether there's been a challenging obstacle or a setback at some point in a project or along the way that at the time was pretty challenging, but then upon reflection, you look back and go, it was a fantastic learning experience. Shopping centre build. So we, we actually um, completed a, a project in Parramatta that had a, rather than just having a, 
are left behind retail that the ground floor is actually built supermarket uh, supermarket with a shopping center surrounding with apartments on top that one my previous work was predominantly in residential so one key takeaway from building that project was definitely a lot of planning needed to come in place it kind of it flipped it flipped the planning from building apartments then building some shells at the base and then um and, and then just allowing the tenants to fit out with a shopping center is it, it was a major learning curve because the tenants um we needed to do a lot of the fit out for them um and particularly because we kept that shopping center where i'm going to is that it kind of it, it redirected the the project management team and 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 the, the everyday processes on site to be more and this i guess this happens every day but in our sense and then from i guess a big learning curve was to um which we've now taken on board and and been able to learn from moving forward is that previous to that we were building apartments with retail spaces that were just filled in at the end that one um project we 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 commenced and the at the outset we had that mentality in mind and that mindset in mind but then as we were building through we worked out that a lot of our attention diverted from completing the apartments to coming back down to the the the, the shopping center um and then i guess it kind of shifted the thought pattern after we completed that project from looking at all avenues of the project during construction uh i i mean sorry at the outset for planning so it may not sound as a big learning curve to someone else but the reason why it stands out to me is because it kind it shifted our our flow or our natural rhythm from being an apartment builders with retail at the base to actually real mixed use precinct deliverers if that's a word um so that was one big takeaway that we didn't plan from the outset but we learned on the first hand experience on the way through which were then radically changed our processes moving forward in in terms of construction planning and what about you ramon yeah. you got one that stands out um not one in particular it was obviously recently probably 2 years ago when the whole bank uh royal commission came into play that kind of through the property industry threw it out a little bit uh through a few spanners in the works obviously day to day it was dealing with the big four banks and that was it uh royal commission came in and they kind of just said we're not doing any more construction land anything so that was literally like an overnight thing it wasn't finish this job and then see you later it was just we're not doing any more so that was some that was a big learning curve for me which turned out to be good um because it allowed us the opportunity to travel overseas meet new funders deal with um chinese hong kong um even indian banks uh singaporean and just showing what we could deliver and showing our track record there was no hesitation there was no um there was no doubt by these funders they were, they were you were dealing with business people you were dealing with people that was their own money so they wanted to see they wanted to see deals get done and when we showed our portfolio when we showed um, our track record there was no no hesitation and it ended up being a better outcome cuz it allowed us to grow and acquire more property and and do like this build to rent so dealing with the funders now we've met them 
I mean, a natural normal bank would very, very rarely allow you to do a build to rent. You have to sell 100% of your product, even more to start construction. I mean, in this market, that's just not going to happen. So while it shook us, not shook us up, while it just readjust. made it, yeah, readjust when it first came in, this whole Royal Commission, um, it was what do we do now, but it turned out to be, it turned out to be a great thing. I mean, you pay a bit more with the private lenders, um, but they do it thousand times quicker so yeah it's it's um it turned out to be a better way and i think that'll just be the way moving forward i think the banks now have they'll eventually come back but i mean i think they've just kind of lost their edge on in terms of construction and property finance now so yeah that's probably the biggest biggest one for me that made us adjust quickly and yeah i've learned a lot from yeah, it is going to be interesting to see what happens with the funding market over the next couple of years because, as you say, in those soft conditions, getting 100% debt cover is really challenging and the project yeah. may not even yeah. be that risky. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, which is now you're seeing a lot of build-to-rent. Um, so it did take a while for build-to-rent to come up, but now the government's uh, allowing a lot more incentives and funders are starting to um, and finances are starting to understand it a bit more. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, I think... I think it is the way of the future, the private private funding. And then what's the best piece of advice you reckon you've ever received? Yeah, from my dad. Uh, when I first got back into the development side of it, uh, we bought a site in, well, he bought a site in Parramatta. There's another gateway site, actually close to the one that we're doing in the built to rent one now. That we, It's literally across the road from that. It was my first one where I did the DA on my own, did a design competition, got the approval. So I was, I was young too and I got it all done. It was like a 36-storey tower. I was proud of myself. And then I uh, got it approved and a couple of weeks later, Dad said, uh, we're selling that. I was like, no, but I've, I've done all this. I've, I've got this approved for you. What are you doing? And he said, no, we're getting a good price. Let's go. Let's move on. Let's buy it. Let's sell it. Go buy a few more and move on. I was, I was actually upset myself. So he pulled me aside and... It, they just said that the line that he said to me is like, never fall in love with the development and always make business decisions with your head, not your, not, not your heart. And while we do love and stand behind our products, it makes sense. I mean, you need to keep moving. You can't, yeah, stop. And if you get too attached to something, it's, it's, um, you're going to end up spending more or, or, you know, leaning towards it a bit more and neglecting the others. So, um, yeah, that's the piece of advice that's stuck with me. It's, yeah. Just do it based on business decisions with your head, not your heart. And don't, don't fall in love with the property. Fayad, what about you? Did you get the same piece of advice yeah. from your old man or you got something different for us? I get slightly different, but in the, I guess the same, same mindset. He'd always be, and this is probably the one I live by uh, very, very regularly, he'd say, and he still does say, sorry, he, he stick with your plan or sorry your vision your target don't take your eye off your target but be flexible in the approach so although you may have a target in your mind um, or an achievement set out for one two three years time don't change that and but be adaptive with the plan so you may set out on a plan to start with to achieve that goal a couple weeks in couple months in couple days in that plan may not roll out the way you want it to be so you just accept the fact that the pathway to that goal would always be changing 
um, and that way it would allow you to adapt and, and get there because if you're if you are stuck stuck on your path to achieve that goal and, and there's an obstacle in the way you'll never get there so you've got to look at different opportunities and different ways to get there as long as it ultimately leads to that to that goal to that target so yeah just be flexible flexible, flexible yeah. and yeah, fixed on the target flexible in the approach yep. yeah yeah and then what about your top tip to people that are listening out there that are thinking i want to take my developing business to the next level what would your top piece of advice be for them to have a balance still in life uh, if you want to do development that's that's great but i still think you need um to step away from it at the same t- not st- sorry not step away have a have a break you know what i mean like don't don't be 24 7 property otherwise you'll you'll burn out i mean we do live and breathe property but as soon as we leave the office it stops and my switch off is basketball or something like i look up to lebron james so i just when I finished work, I'll go home and I'll just watch him and that'll just clear your mind of the day you've had and just let you switch off. So just having another hobby, I mean, being passionate about what you do, but also having that flexible flexible uh, work-life balance would be my tip. Fayad, what about you? My tip would be more like industry-specific. A lot of developers out there are very um, numbers-based. They're very put projects together based on spreadsheets and that. So I guess just have a bit of fun in your, in your development. Then that, that gives you longevity. And what I mean by fun is build something that you would, you'd like to live in. Don't always think, well, this is not right for the area or don't worry, this is only a rental or this is just be a bit more flexible, be a bit more um, imaginative in, in, in apartments because it gives you pride in what you do. It generates a, a great culture around you and it, it's, it's key to longevity in the industry, um, both internally from your, your, your own staff, but externally as well from your, the end users. So just be a bit, bit flexible and, um, and, and kind of sh- shake the rules a little bit from typical property development 101, I guess. Just have a bit of fun and... Um, put up apartments that you'd like to live in. Fantastic. Well, if people want to find out more about you or about Ellison's, where should they head? So they can head to our website, ellisonproperty.com.au. They can get in touch with us there or they could come visit us in in Parramatta. So we're happy to take your call or be um, ready to show you around. Also social media, got the big... uh, gradually building that up obviously new companies so slowly getting building up that linkedin instagram uh facebook twitter um so yeah i mean jump on there follow us see the developments that we're doing uh what's coming up and it's also not just always about um property on our socials it's more about our staff um, other things that are happening in the industry all over the world whatnot so come and you can jump on there and kind of see what allison's all about Fantastic. Well, it's been great speaking with you today, guys, hearing your story and where you've come from. Sounds like you've got some great projects on the go and I'm sure there's more to come. I really appreciate you sharing your tale with us today on the Property Developer Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next time. See you then.
You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.